You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Abby. And I'm Sarah. Today we're going to be talking about our parenting strengths and downfalls. But first, let's catch up on life lately. Abby, what's new with you? A very sad news, which is that the very high up administrators of the hospital that I work in have decided that as of October 25th, we will not be providing obstetric services at my hospital anymore, which means that labor and delivery, postpartum, and the NICU are all closing. In addition to leaving around 45 nurses without jobs, we also won't be able to provide the type of care that I have loved providing for our community. And I think it happened because physiologic birth that is low intervention is not profitable. And I hate it. I'm so sorry, friend. I'm very sad for me and for really the entire state of Alabama. Yeah. What's new with you? We are still moving our way through our home renovation. And Neil just stained our concrete floors this last weekend. This is one of those things that you really can't do a big sample on. We did do small samples, but as we know, it's hard to tell from a small sample Mm -hmm. what it was going to look like. And with concrete, it's not like paint where you can just fix it. If it goes wrong, you're creating a chemical reaction with the concrete (laughs) itself when you do an acid stain. But it turned out great. It is a blue-green color, and I am so happy we took the risk and I'm even more excited to move in, hopefully, in the next couple weeks. So awesome. Now let's talk about what we've been reading. Abby, what is your latest book? I recently finished To Shape a Dragon's Breath by Monaquil Black Goose. This is YA fantasy fiction about dragons, y'all. Your favorite. (laughs) It is my favorite this year, it turns out. This is about a young indigenous woman, Anakus, who witnesses the hatching of a dragon egg, the first dragon egg to be in her community in many, many years. The dragon chooses her after she hatches. And then Anakus and her dragon go to a colonizer-run Dragon Riders Academy in the big city. Mm. So that the colonizer's dragon control organization won't take her dragon away. Mm -hmm. I loved everything about it. It was everything that I want in YA fantasy. The characters are great. The peak at indigenous community life is so beautiful. I'm obsessed with dragons. So this book was really perfect for me. And I would recommend it. And I would recommend the audiobook because I loved hearing the pronunciations of the indigenous Mm -hmm. words. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. What have you been reading, Sarah? I read Yellow Face by R.F. Quang, and this is a book about Athena and June, who are two authors in their 20s. Athena has had a lot of success, while June has not. June witnesses Athena's death and then impulsively decides to steal her manuscript that Athena just finished, edit it, and present it as her own. Whoa. 
For context, Athena is Asian American, while June is white. And the book June Stole is a war epic focused on the experience of Chinese laborers in World War I. Oh, no. So much of the novel focuses on who gets to tell what stories, Mm. racial bias in publishing, and how the publishing industry chooses winners in the system. The whole thing was deliciously uncomfortable. I felt physical sensations of unease reading it almost the whole time, Mm. and yet could not stop. I loved it. The author's use of the first-person perspective to tell the story was really compelling, Mm. having an unreliable narrator, but then you're so in the story as she is telling it. There was a lot to think about. It is on my book club's list of potential upcoming reads, and I very much hope that we read it so I can discuss it with more people. I recommend it if you are looking for a fast-paced contemporary fiction that gives you lots to think about. It's on my list. Today we're going to be talking about our parenting strengths and downfalls. We did a similar episode about our everyday superpowers a few years ago, but thought it would be fun to apply it specifically to parenting. Let's go back and forth and share what areas of parenting have come easily to us. I think I'm really good at loving my kids for who they are and not wanting them to change. I love that. My first one is cultivating a love of reading with my kids and generally reading together a lot as a family. I never feel like a more successful parent than when we are all sitting around reading, both reading aloud and talking about a book together and having a shared reading experience, but also all reading our own books together silently in the same room (laughs) feels so cozy and happy. I also have no shame in radicalizing my children, re-book bans, and love (laughs) seeing their indignation at the idea of keeping kids from reading certain books. It just warms my librarian in training heart. (laughs) My next one is that I think I have a high nonsense threshold. Hmm. So other people in my life, namely my parents and Andrew, Mm -hmm. get annoyed with ridiculous things the kids do much sooner. Describe nonsense to me. What are some examples of what falls into that category? Having a hard time, building forts when somebody told you not to, not picking up when you told them to pick up. I just feel like I have a really good perspective on this is who my kid is. They're not giving me a hard time. They're having a hard time. Mm -hmm. And just really not letting it bug me. Like, Mm -hmm. I really just don't participate in that. Like, if they're not cleaning up the fort and I've told them to, I'm like, okay, let's clean up the fort. And then I start, and then usually they jump in with it. Mm -hmm. Like, if they're having a hard time, I'm like, okay, let's get out of here. I'm Mm -hmm. done. I don't need to try and make this work. I'm taking you home. You're being the adult in the room. Yes. I feel like I am good at being the adult in the room. Love that for you. Another strength is not needing to entertain my children. Ooh, good one. And I have felt this since they were born Mm -hmm. of just, it is fine for them to be doing their own thing while I'm reading my book or having a phone call with my mom. And it's not that I don't interact with my children. I just don't feel like they need to be the center of our existence and that they can figure it out on their own. 
I love that. My next one is somewhat related, Mm -hmm. and that is I'm very good at ignoring the pressure to enroll in extracurricular activities. Mm -hmm. They are not right for our family, and so we don't do them, and I don't feel like my kids are missing out, and I don't feel like they will Mm -hmm. have regrets about their extracurricularless childhoods. Mm -hmm. It feels amazing. If they're bored, it's fine. They're almost never bored. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And getting out of boredom is a skill that absolutely takes a lot of practice to develop. (laughs) Yep. Related to that, I have never felt the mom guilt that people describe Mm. often on the internet Mm -hmm. of feeling like I'm not good enough. Right. And it's not, as we'll get to shortly, it is not that I am doing all the things right. (laughs) It is not that I am a perfect parent. But I feel like I am the right parent for my kids. Mm -hmm. And in the things that matter, I'm providing that for them. Absolutely. And that they're going to look back and I hope look back fondly on their childhood and the life we created together. And so I just don't want to beat myself up about the things that I'm not doing. Feel confident in my choices. And yeah, we don't do things that everyone else is doing. And that's okay. There is no reason to feel guilt. And I don't. Me neither, friend. And I also don't take anything my kids do personally. Mm. Like you said, I know I'm a good mom. If they're Mm -hmm. having a hard time, it's almost always not about me. Mm -hmm. I think that is one I've had to grow into over time. Mm. Nice. Work in progress. I have felt this one especially strongly in the last couple of years. but. I think I'm doing a good job enjoying my kids. I just like hanging out with them. I like seeing as they grow into who they are, and I like having them in my life. And I feel like that's something that's been really present as I've moved out of the really intense physical needing to keep children safe and the more exhausting years of parenting. And now I feel like we're in this place where it is easier to feel that enjoyment in spending time with one another. That's lovely. I love that. My next one is that I am very good at holding boundaries regarding food and bedtime. Mm. I was in an online parenting discussion the other day and people were talking about their kids sleeping in their beds, Mm -hmm. like in the grown-ups' beds. Mm -hmm. And that's just not something that has ever happened for us. And honestly, I'm saying I'm good at holding boundaries, but like they haven't even tried it. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So I'm Mm -hmm. not sure that this is something that we did, but I feel like we have a really great bedtime routine and I feel like we have a really great, clear set of expectations around food Mm -hmm. and that we're really good at sticking to them. I am very impressed. I would say that the food boundaries one is one that has been really hard for me Mm. because as I will discuss in greater detail, my kids do not always eat the food that is available. And then I am just such a snacker. It is so hard for me to just tell my kids no to snacking when I am snacking. Mm. (laughs) And so it feels like a huge part of my food journey has been giving myself permission to eat whenever I want and Mm -hmm. to not feel these rules around it. And so I really struggle holding those kind of boundaries for my kids, even when I think it would be beneficial. I was actually thinking about you the other day because you were like, 
I like to eat chips after dinner, too. Well, the thing is, my kids go to bed so soon after dinner Mm. that I don't have to regulate my evening snacking in the same way that I think you do. Yes. We still enforce very early bedtime, in part, I think, because my kids are younger than yours, but also because Mm -hmm. we just enforce early bedtime. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that makes it much easier to say, oh, no, I'm having an ice cream bar later. Yes. And I don't have to worry at all that I'm not offering an ice cream bar with dinner tonight to my children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And when my kids were younger, we didn't ever have conversations about it because it was dinner and then bath time and then they went to sleep. Right. So there was not room. There was often a glass of milk before bed, Mm -hmm. but there was not time for snacking. Yeah. Uh, In the same way that our setup now is quite different. Yeah. And my kids don't eat everything I make either. Mm -hmm. We still have the rule that if you don't eat what's for dinner, you can have bread and butter. Mm -hmm. And then we do offer milk and or string cheese Mm -hmm. if people are still hungry before bed or even pepper is a a big collar outer. Mm -hmm. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. But it still feels like, yeah, you can have a cheese stick and that's all. Yeah. And I think for me, I can look and say, I don't know that I'm holding the best boundaries here, but also I'm okay with it because Mm, it feels like this is what feels right to me for a different reason. Yeah, then it sounds like you are holding the boundary in a way that is appropriate for you. Well, I would say I'm not holding the boundary in a way that feels right for me. I would say we are like with fewer boundaries than you Yeah, but maybe that's what's right for you. Yes. And I think that is true. I think it's one of those things that just doesn't feel ideal, but it's like not everything in parenting feels ideal. Mm. And so I don't, I'm not actively trying to change it. I'm just, it is what it is. I feel more neutral towards it. I wonder if what I'm actually good at is not the boundary, mm-hmm. but feeling really great about where we are. <laughs> and that is a really good parenting strength to have. <laughs> For sure. My final strength is trusting my kids to do hard things and knowing that they'll be fine, that I do not feel the need to smooth the road for them or fix all their problems or try and prevent a difficulty that Mm. is in their path because I think what will actually serve them is learning how to get through those things and using their own resources to do so. And that me being confident that they can do it, I think also helps them have the confidence that they can do it. Mm. I really like this. This is really good. My last one is not necessarily related to my kids, but it is related to parenting. Mm -hmm. And I feel like one of my superpowers is connecting with other parents. Mm. And I think that's helped me because it's made this parenting road much less lonely. Yeah, I love that one. So those are some of the strengths that have always come easily to us. But what are some of the strengths that you have cultivated or grown into throughout your parenting journey? I think I am continually getting better at meeting my kids where they are. Mm. This was easier with my first child Mm -hmm. than my second. They are just really different people. They have different needs for physicality and connection and how they want to connect. And I think I'm much more similar to my first child. And so Mm. it has been harder to perceive and meet the needs of my second child. Yeah. But as I grow to know him more, I think we're doing better and better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I think I have grown into being less reactive to my kids' emotions. And this has always been something I've intellectually understood that I needed to let my kids feel their feelings and to not take those on myself and to not try and distract them or convince them that they should be feeling otherwise. But it feels so much more natural and intuitive now after years Mm. of practice than it did in the early years of parenting. Hmm. The idea that my children's feelings are not my responsibility is more ingrained and I don't have to do the mental gymnastics as much Mm. when a hard feeling is happening of having the inner dialogue that I think I had a lot more before. And now it just feels like, yep, they're having a hard time. How can I support them? Without having as many of my own feelings attached to it. It feels so Mm. much more neutral now in a really good way. Nice. What about our partners? What do you think are Andrew's parenting strengths? Andrew's first one is hearing our children in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I used to hear them, you know, Mm -hmm. all through the years that we were breastfeeding and I was much more tuned into it. But now I am like knocked out cold, probably snoring. Uh (laughs) And Andrew hears them first almost every time. I'm not going to lie. I love that for him Mm -hmm. (laughs) and for me. I love that for Neil because that is also one of mine is that he is the primary (laughs) nighttime parent. I really did not hear my kids. People say, oh, once you have kids, you're just going to always be so tuned in to their every movement and cry. And that was not true for me. Neil would shake me awake (laughs) when they were crying in the middle of the night when we were breastfeeding. And once they stopped, Neil has been the primary nighttime parent. And you may be thinking, oh, well, you got up in the middle of the night to breastfeed all those years, and then after that, they're just sleeping through the night. No, they were not. (laughs) (laughs) Children in my house did not sleep through the night for many, many, many years. And so I really appreciate Neil's willingness (laughs) to do the nighttime parenting situation while I often slept through it. Beautiful. My second one is that my spouse is the parent for goofiness and silliness. Mm. If you want fart jokes, Andrew is your guy. Mm. I do not want fart jokes. (laughs) Me neither. But I bet your kids do. They sure do. (laughs) My second one for Neil is playing with the kids and engaging in more elaborate projects with them. I do much more of find something to entertain you yourself, (laughs) as discussed earlier, and I'm really great at that. But Neil will do things like create an elaborate treasure hunt for Mm -hmm. them and have them go all throughout the house to find a little treat at the end or work on a project. Like with HP, they recently built a birdhouse together Mm. and worked on designing it. And he's just so patient in those kinds of activities that – do not bring me as much joy. Fair enough. While we love talking about things that we're good at, there is also (laughs) the flip side, the things that come harder for us, or we might say areas of growth in parenting. What are your parenting downfalls? Noises are my first one. Mm. Screaming, clicking, anything repetitive, sometimes loud kid music. I cannot Mm. handle it. I can't let it go. I can't handle it. It has to stop. We have to turn off the music. We have to stop the clicking. We have to stop the screaming. I feel like with most kid things, Mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, I see that you're this. Please do this instead. You know, I'm pretty good at Mm -hmm. low-key, rational, reasonable 
emotionally regulated adult. With the screaming, I'm like, you have to stop that right now. That hurts my ears. I can't handle it. You know, yeah. it's much more authoritarian, scary mom mm-hmm. with that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. It just gets under my skin. I can't do it. Yeah. And honestly, I don't know how to work on that. I just don't mm. know. Yeah. If you're having that kind of intense physical, emotional reaction yes. to it. I think noises are something that I am surprised at how well I tolerate slash ignore. I think this mm. is also why I don't hear my kids at night. I think I, one, have already lost a lot of hearing in my life so far. <laughs> cool. <laughs> but cool. I just cool. genuinely don't hear things as much. But I also think I can disassociate hmm. when something is happening and go to some place in my own brain that is away from where I am, which maybe is also not a great thing to be doing in parenting, but that's how I handle the noises is I think there is some sort of disassociation for me and I go to some other happier, quieter place in my brain. That's so interesting. I feel like I can dissociate like that from their Mm -hmm. big feelings, Mm -hmm. that I can step outside of that. But when it's noises, like Pepper right now does a deliberate high-pitched scream because he knows that it bugs the crap out of us. Mm -hmm. And I can't handle that. But I can handle him screaming, crying. Right. Because he's having a big feeling. So Hmm. yeah, make of that what you will. We are who we are. (laughs) My first parenting downfall is having children who eat the food that we make. Mm. Though I am trusting the process, just like I am with snacking. (laughs) I am leaning into the fact that life is long and kids' tastes change. And I refuse to make dinner a battleground. But I just want to be clear to anyone listening that my kids probably reject a full 80% of the meals that I make (laughs) and just eat carbs and the fruits slash veggies on the side. Love it. My next thing that is a downfall for me is reading books that I do not enjoy to my children. Mm. And honestly, this has started to hurt Plum's feelings as she Mm. has preferences with books that she's reading and she wants to either read them to me or me read them. And I, number one, am terrible at lying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like my face shows what I'm thinking or Mm -hmm. the scoffing in my voice (laughs) shows Mm -hmm. what I'm thinking as she's asking me to listen to Dragon Masters or the Permaids or whatever. It Mm -hmm. is that she's really loving and enjoying. And I don't want to dump on her joy of reading and I don't want to yuck her yums. And I still can't do it. (laughs) And probably I should do more Mm -hmm. in the name of connecting to my children. But I I don't. Or just emphasizing that the great things about books are that there are books (laughs) for everyone. And we all have different preferences. And so... We love that she loves what she loves, (laughs) and we are not with her on that journey. (laughs) Another downfall of mine is being too nosy and needing to know what is going on in a way that is not helpful. (laughs) I ask a lot of questions, and I can see as how they enter the teen years, I will need to back off and be Mm. a little more judicious in what information I am trying to gather They're just things that I like to know. Like, I want to know what's going on in the classroom (laughs) and what what the people are doing at recess. And and I can really see how I do this and Neil does not do this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think I need to 
screen my questions better a little bit more and think about what things are going to help me connect with my kids and what is just Mm. sating my curiosity, (laughs) which is large. (laughs) I love it. And then finally, I am very bad at teaching my kids to be organized humans because I am not great at this myself. So things like keeping their room tidy, Mm. picking up their things in the living room, like all of the socks that are deposited in the entryway. I remind them about it off and on, and usually I'm pretty frustrated by that point. But most of the time, it's just not a priority for me. And so Mm -hmm. I don't think they're developing any organizational habits. But that is something they can work on on their own without me. (laughs) (laughs) We can't do it all. Sure can't. Let's end on a high note and share a recent parenting win. I recently saw this TikTok, or maybe it was an Instagram reel, but it was about changing the language around kids participating in chores at home. Mm. And I think a lot of us have the tendency to be like, please help me unload the dishwasher. Please help me by picking up your room. Mm -hmm. Like, please help me. Right. Mm -hmm. But then you make it your responsibility that all the things get done. Mm -hmm. And so kids don't have any agency or ownership over whatever chore that it is. So the idea in this TikTok, and I wish that I could find it to share, but I looked before this and I couldn't find it. If I find it, we'll put the link up in the show notes. But she basically said, make it a culture in your family of this kind of housework and chores being part of being in the family. Mm-hmm. That it's just this expectation of being mm-hmm. in the family and it's not helping. So it's not helping when Andrew does the dishes. It's part of being in the family. And it's not helping when I do the laundry. It's just part of being in the family. So what we have done, both of us, both he and I recently, have said, instead of, will you please help me with this, we now say to the kids, let's go pick up your room. Hmm. Period. It's not you're helping me by picking up your room. It's something that you and I are doing together. Or please put your plate in the sink. Not would you help me by carrying out your plate? Or please unload this silverware part of the dishwasher while I do the plates. Not please help me unload the dishwasher. So I don't need your help. It's just what we do when we're part of a family. And I love it. Mm-hmm. That's a good reframe. My parenting win is also related to chores, which is we have the cleanest bathrooms we have ever had in our adult lives (laughs) since having the children help clean them because now it it actually happens every week they alternate doing one of the bathrooms and then neil and i alternate doing the other bathroom and because it's on the schedule we actually do it instead of just putting it off which is what Mm -hmm. happened before so i'm really relishing in mostly having a clean bathroom to be in all the time that's great So is it like E cleans one bathroom one week, then you clean it the next week, then HP cleans that bathroom the following week, then Neil cleans it the following week? No, it's because we have two bathrooms. Mm. There's one adult cleaning a bathroom and one child cleaning a bathroom every week. Oh, as a team? Or Mm -mm. we each pick one. So we let the kids choose. We say, which bathroom do you want to clean when it's their weekend? And it's written Mm -hmm. on the calendar whose weekend it is. Oh, And then they can choose the bathroom and then an adult cleans the other bathroom bathroom. that weekend okay so every bathroom gets cleaned every weekend correct wow that is clean but then i am only cleaning one bathroom every two weeks yeah which i mean is probably the equivalent of what i was cleaning before (laughs) but the other ones are actually being cleaned 
So, well, and it takes less time if it's getting cleaned every week, then it doesn't Correct. get to like full grunge. Yes. <laughs> Quite as fast. Uh, indeed. Love it. Well, that wraps up our conversation about parenting strengths and weaknesses. Let's end as we always do by sharing something we've been eating lately. I recently tried two new recipes for Neil's birthday, a veggie birani and samosas. I think my samosas were not as easy as yours were that you described where you used the crescent rolls. Mm -hmm. I used phyllo dough. Oh, yeah. But then you had to put out a layer and put oil on it and put another layer and put oil on it and then put another layer. The whole experience took much longer than I thought it would. Mm. I told Neil for his birthday because our house has just been a whole situation (laughs) with us doing the renovation. And Neil really prefers when the house is neat. Mm -hmm. And that has just not been happening. I was like, my gift to you today is going to be getting everything back in order. He spent the day scrubbing the concrete floor. So that was (laughs) a special situation for him. (laughs) And then I was spending so much time on this food that it got to be close to when his parents were coming over. I was like, uh, Neil, can you actually clean up the kitchen in the living room so your parents can come over and have a place to sit down? Sorry, I wasn't actually able to do the thing I said that I was going to do. But he did. It was great. Good teamwork. (laughs) And the food turned out great. It was from the Vegan Holiday Cookbook Mm. and was a success. Just took a lot of time. Mm. I think both just doing a new recipe and then with the phyllo dough and having the two things, it was a lot. Also, is that a lot of chopping for vegetable biryani? It was a good amount of chopping for both. Yeah. I'm not sure what took so long. Honestly, when I think about the recipes, I feel like neither one should have taken that long, but I spent hours in that kitchen making the food. Celebrating your spouse. So wonderful. He did like the dinner. That part was thumbs up. Good. (laughs) (laughs) What have you been eating? This weekend, Andrew made buffalo chicken dip, which we have a dear friend and friend of the podcast, Hi Grayson, who this is her signature dish. Mm -hmm. And whenever we make it, it's not as good as when she makes it. And that was also the case this weekend. But I am not (laughs) one to turn down a dip. Uh I love a dip, especially one someone else made for me. So it was delicious. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Sarah, and with all of you listeners. You can find out more about everything we talked about today, including what we're reading and eating, in the show notes on our website, friendlierpodcast.com. You can leave us a comment there or on Instagram at friendlierpodcast or email us friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. Hold on. I'm going to wait just one second because I can hear Steve drilling. Can you hear mm. it? Mm-mm. Okay. He's putting up our doors right now. I hear my heart beating strangely. I don't know. <laughs> Had a lot of caffeine today. <laughs> <laughs> my hell.